what you mean by, by breaking bread and, and taking communion together and what I think was perhaps originally meant by Jesus when he said every time you gather together, remember my death until you come. Uh, you know, and I think it's a good question. Maybe some others have got some thoughts on that. Um, to, to unpack actually what that means today for us as a church. Mm-hmm. I, can I just interject there? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've come from an Anglican background, so obviously, you know, communion for me was very important. Um, but the truth is, you know, communion means sharing, right? Um, and, and, and you can share at home. You know, it's really important to, you know, when you break bread at home... You, you, you should do it in remembrance of Christ. Every time we eat as a family, we try and break bread together and try and have that moment, you know, at home as well as at church. So whilst I do consider it important at church, I think, personally, it should also be something that's sort of cultivated, you know, every day at home, if you can. And every time you eat, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So, you know, without trying to make it too religious, um, I think it's a, it's a great moment that you can have at home as well as in church. So, Great. So um, following on from that question, there's a second point. Having removed communion, and um, how are we teaching the younger generation the importance of this practice? Maybe Alice, as a youth pastor, would you like to have a... Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so we've, we've uh, just set up a Bible study called Rooted uh, for young people. So it's 11 to 18-year-olds can come to that. And we um, make food together, we eat together... And um, we, we do also do what we would you know, traditionally call communion with, not wine, don't worry, I figured that probably wouldn't be allowed to buy a bottle of wine for the young people. Um, we've been doing it with Ribena and, um, and bread as well. Because I, I personally do appreciate the, um, the tradition and um, I like doing that together. I think it's really important to do it at home as well. And it's important to remember, as these guys were saying, the, the true meaning of it. Um, and you can do it with... Anything, you can do it anywhere. Um, personally, I, I, I do like that moment um, with, with, our, with our youth group uh, where we all serve one another. Um, so we have incorporated that tradition um, back into the youth ministry um, itself. You know, following on to what everybody has said about communion, I think it's about reminding ourselves that no matter how many we are, as a body, or how few we are as a body, we can still do communion. See, Jesus fed the 5,000, and that was a communion. Hmm. And also, if you remember when Jesus resurrected on the way to, the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, Jesus came to them, followed them all, listened to their conversation. Then, as he wanted to carry on, they invited him to his house, to their house, so there the Bible says he broke bread. As, they, as he broke the bread, they, their eyes were opened. So these are just two, two men and Jesus. So like Alice said, we sh- as a church, is reminding ourselves that when we gather in the church, we break bread as a communion. But in our homes, teaching our children when we share meal at home, you know, there's one or two of us, or more than one, there's parents or even siblings, when you break bread, when you eat, maybe it's a moment to remind yourself you're breaking bread, thanking God in Jesus' name for what he has done, mm-hmm. giving us our salvation. So I think it's more communion is something we have to try and make a lifestyle, just like prayer. 
And I think if we can do that, then it becomes, we break down those barriers and those myths about communion because we do it every day as a family, as a, as a family in the church, as a family at, at home, knowing that even if it's two of us, that we can break bread, we can have communion. Yeah, so um, the, the question, I think, was about that we have left the traditional yeah. way, um, which, which is interesting. You'd call us, a, whoever's asked the question, appreciate that. That's great. Um, you'd call us a traditional church. That's quite uh, unusual. But we have our traditions. We do. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, we have a way of doing things. And um, it may be very different from other traditions, but... In the past, we had communion on the first Sunday of the month. And in our tradition, I, I would not personally serve communion. I don't know if anyone's ever noticed that. Um, because it's this idea that only maybe the lead minister can do it or the licensed minister can do it. So I was like, no, it's anyone with pure hands and a clean heart. Um, clean hands and a pure heart. Either way. Either way. <laughs> <clears throat> and we would have people up here breaking the bread and people would come as families and I think that was that was really precious and do do miss that tradition but um, as I was talking about quite a lot at the time um, if you recall about what it really means to have that to understand that and um, we've now gone with a more uh, perhaps Jewish tradition of celebrating three times a year mm-hmm. and um, how the Jews would break bread together, it would be a feast. It would be a community meal together. And we do that now three times a year. And uh, the idea was, if uh, any Americans in the audience, you know, if you invited to Thanksgiving and uh, they gave you a small cup of juice and a little wafer and said, that's your, that's your community meal, or maybe that's what you put on at Christmas Day, you're all going to eat a lovely meal together. And it's like, well, here's a cup of juice. Here's a little cracker. Um, so that, that's not the Jewish tradition uh, which Jesus took from Passover and he took to be, uh, he instituted the new covenant in his blood. That's what he did. And that's why we celebrate communion. Um, so they would do Passover and then the two harvest festivals, um, one in the summer and one uh, towards the autumn. And um, I guess we have those. We have our community meals. We have our breaking bread. We have our... Uh, barbecue, you know, that's a little less traditional, but we have a summer barbecue where we break bread together, and that's what we call it. Um, So we have a different tradition that we've started this year, and um, will we ever do communion like we did? Well, yeah. I don't think it's disappeared. I think there's a real place for that moment where you say, Lord Jesus, your body was broken that I might be healed. Lord Jesus, you... This is the blood of your new covenant in which I have the forgiveness of sins. That never goes. That never goes. And we have to keep that element of communion, I think, however we do our tradition. Cool. Thank you. So I hope that's given you a bit of a, a spectrum of, of where we are with that and where, why we do things, how we do it. Um, okay, staying on quite uh, a subject of, you said about the importance of prayer like communion. Um, do you think our Sunday services currently display our community, family, and individual relationships with God? Okay, that's the first part. Second part. 
Why is prayer time generally held in separate meetings or at the back of the church? Third part, is there a way of prayer for each other, the community and current affairs can be incorporated into our Sunday morning giving? That is our foundational way uh, of communicating and having a relationship, whether individually or as a community with God. Okay, so we'll break that down. Do you think our Sunday services currently display our community, family, and individual relationships with God? We, I feel like we totally display what we do in the community. Like we're always, we're very open. Um, we're a church that looks out and how we can get people in, and I think that's really important. Like we, it's important to reflect when we do stuff for the community from the front. We talk about stuff that we do, like shine, how people have come to know Jesus. We did awaken last night. Some three people, three bought, people um, yeah. came to Jesus through that. Like that's amazing. We need to celebrate that. And I feel like we're very um, transparent in what we do. Like, and I think that's how we should be. And um, uh, it's we have testimonies. Like I feel like we're quite a relatable church. People can see what we do from the front. They can see um, what we do in the community. And I think that's really important that we tell people about that. Yeah, just on the family parts, right? Are you saying, are we uh, family focused? Or do we um, just that first part? Again. So, do you think our Sunday services currently display our community, family, and individual relationships with God? Yeah, because I mean, one of the things that's, that attracted us to this church six years ago was the whole family approach and the community approach. You know, we saw that just one by looking at the website compared to the other offerings for us as a family in Ely. And then we came here, we were just blown away with the whole sort of community, the family feel. So that was very important to us as a family because we felt, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that was the direction that the church was going. So, so from first-hand experience, that's, that's why we came here. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Uh, second part, why is prayer time generally held in a separate meeting or at the back of the church. Do you want to do explain what prayer meetings we have throughout the week so people kind of have an understanding of what goes on prayer-wise within the church? Yeah, so, I mean, we encourage people to gather in their prayer, uh, it, it, to pray in their home groups. Um, we have Sunday night prayer where we dedicate an hour uh, to pray about the community and to gather together um, on, a, on a Sunday night. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, and then Sunday morning we pray before the service, yeah. um, which people, everyone's welcome to come to. Um, so the, the question, uh, we now have a prayer team and we have a prayer corner. Um, and we, we used to have a slot in the service where people would come forward and we would have the prayer team at the front. So that is perhaps what has changed. And... Um, and sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe we need to explain why we've done that. Um, uh, the prayer during the service and on a Sunday morning, um, we felt if it's at the back, it's, it's a bit more private. People don't feel embarrassed maybe about coming forward. Yeah. Um, you mentioned last night three people came to the Lord. Um, well, one person was brave enough to come forward, and the other two were kind of like, well, let me do it just on the side, but I'm going to do it. And that's fine, and it's making that opportunity for both, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
having separate meetings, I think prayer is really important. So it's the opposite of what this question's asking, as in, is prayer now not important? No, no, prayer is so important, it needs its own time. It needs a good hour, and it needs a bit more time at the back, and it needs a team to gather together. So when you come in, you know who you can ask for prayer. I mean, you can ask anyone for prayer. But um, we set up the team to make that more focused on prayer is more important, rather than saying, oh, we've relegated it to the back. So um, maybe me explaining that it will help the person who asked the question um, that actually we're thinking the opposite. Prayer is really vital for the life of the church. Thank you. Okay. Okay. No, not taking questions from the um, congregation today. Sorry. If you've got any questions about any of this, please write it down and get to us. Otherwise, we could be here all day. Um, Is there a way? Sorry. Is there a way of prayer for each other, the community, and current affairs can be incorporated into our Sunday morning, given that this is our foundational way of communicating and having a relationship with individuals and as a community with God. So you kind of answered it a bit. Um, yes, there yes. is. Good. Um, <laughs> Simple answer. Yeah, so, I mean, we've tried to go with prayer requests on bits of paper. We've tried to go prayer requests on um, electronically. And I think there is something lost in there. So I think, yes, I think prayer needs to come um, and we're able to bring prayer needs forward um, and, and actually pray with people you know we had a family really struggling recently um, who asked us to pray as a church but they were like can you not mention it from the front and we're like okay we, we respect that we're not going to um, name anybody um, and, and respect their, their privacy while sharing that prayer with the prayer team um, as well so I think there's, there is definitely room for prayer in the church yeah I just wanted to add a little bit to what uh, Pastor Jazz have said. I think we need to appreciate what prayer is. Um, it's about talking to God or speaking the word. Um, and there's prayer going on throughout. I suppose if we look at it this way, then we'll, we'll probably see that throughout the service, from the beginning to the end, there's prayer going on. I know sometimes even when the band comes up to start, Pastor Ross start with a prayer or a word from God. Um, or some, any member of the band would normally start with a word of, of, of prayer. Even in, 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 at interval during the band, there's also a, a prayer, I would say. Um, and when Pastor Giles comes out to preach, he starts with prayer. And he ends with prayer also. Um, so it's because there's so much that has to be packed in in, in an hour or so. Um, but if you, if you look closely, there's so much prayer still going on within throughout, throughout the period. So that shows how much important there is to prayer. And also, if you want a special prayer, then you have, you know, there's somewhere at the back in that corner where there are prayer teams that can pray with you individually. So prayer is important. Mm-hmm. So important. And that's why, like I said, you have to look at it from the point of throughout the ministry or throughout the service, from the band starting to the end of the service, there's always a prayer. And also, you can always join in. This is why we're a family. 
And the, the praise service prayer goes on in that block. Anybody can join in. Um, so it's not like it's on the side, or it's not, it's not like it's relegated to one side. It's just that based on all that is going on, there has to be time for that corporate prayer. So praise service prayer happens in the morning, every morning, first thing in the morning, uh, 10, nine, 10, 10 minutes after 9, and anybody can join into prayer. Um, and so prayer is very important. It's, it's, it's one of the bedrock of being a Christian, really, and, and we cannot do without it. And we need to understand that when we talk to God, when we read Psalms, when we, we interact, uh, when we encourage each other, it's, it's all part of prayer. Cool. Uh, okay, coming uh, into another realm now. Uh, what does the Lighthouse, sorry, why does Lighthouse not have a system of membership? Part one. And part two, and bearing this in mind, where is the process around decision-making, transparency, and accountability? So we'll break that down again. So why does the church, the church Lighthouse not have church membership? That's one for the pastor, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. No, um... Yeah, so when I read the scripture, I, I really do see that we are members of the body of Christ. I do, I do see that. And additionally to that, there is an element of us being members of the body um, locally, members of the church. I do see that. Scripture's not really specific about what membership means and what it means to belong. Um, and as far as the sort of leadership structure goes from, uh, from, from Christ onwards and how he chose people, you know, Christ himself appointed the 12, he appointed the three, um, he appointed them, he commissioned them, he sent them to go. And Paul kind of picks up on this as well where Jesus gives gifts to the church, the apostles, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, um, and the apostles, pastors, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and um, prof- prophets. Yes, thank you. Um, so the, the 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 way the the Bible seems to, to suggest is that Christ appoints these these, and then people join and become members. Now, um, I've been talking to. And I knew this question was coming. I've been talking to various pastors um, who have a formal membership in their congregation. And um, it's kind of mixed reviews as um, what it means to be a member. In a, in a Pentecostal tradition, membership is quite formal um, in some of those denominations. And there's a membership form, a membership requirement. And you complete the form and you put down your income and you put down your 10% that you give, and uh, whether they check up on it or not, I don't know. Um, but there's a, a commitment from both sides. And um, other traditions maybe don't go as strong as that with membership. And, um, and others where it's kind of flipped around, where the leaders come to the members and say, hey, is it all right if we have a woman preach? You know, because, you know, that, you know, can we get your permission for, for a woman to be in leadership? Can we get your permission for this and this? And um, 
and I think there's there's possibly benefits and there's possibly shortcomings to to both um, systems. Um, I I don't see the congregational led churches as a biblical model. I don't see that. Um, uh, I I could could be wrong. Um, if you'd like to give me a scripture where the Apostle Paul sets up a church like that, um, you know, and the way he talks about leadership, uh, and the way Jesus did things, um, then uh, the sort of second part of the question is why yeah. why do we don't have? Sorry, what's um? Um, no, the first one was why does Lighthouse not have a system of membership? Uh, the short answer is we don't. We're not set up that way. <laughs> Um, we never have been. Um, right from the beginning, um, the pastor was p- appointed, um, and that, that's kind of how it went. Um, so that is our structure. That's our organizational um, structure. That has its advantages, maybe, that um, the leadership team can make quick decisions and get things done. And if something needs changing, you know, and someone has a concern... Um, they can come and talk to the leadership and they can either explain the decision and, or they can change the decision. Um, I know that I've been, been moved by people's passions towards things and, you know, and if someone's got you know, genuine criticism without being critical, I think there's a good balance there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if something needs changing, um, we change it, or we explain to you why we're not going to change it and why we do what we do. Um, okay, so if with that in mind, um, where is the process around decision-making and transparency and accountability? Um, well, 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 number one, I, I feel accountable to God himself. I feel accountable to the scriptures. And aren't we pleased um, as a church? Uh, <laughs> yeah? That's where um, we want our accountability to be with our pastor, is to God, yeah? Yeah, I, I also have a well, who, someone who I would call pastor, someone who, who oversees and I can, I can talk to, I meet regularly with, and um, would encourage me and challenge me. And I think, you know, the, the, the big question is if we were in error or we were going down a path that, you know, was a real problem. And, you know, and if I or we as a leadership team stopped listening... You know, and we have uh, wonderful people around us. We have a pastoral team um, that I would trust to tell me where I'm going wrong. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm open to that. And anyone that spent any time with me would know that I'm really open and I do handle criticism well. I'd like to think. That sounds like I'm bigging myself up. But um, I'll either make a good defense to say, no, come on, the scripture says we're not doing this, we're not doing that. Or, okay, then let's, let's talk about it. Let's have that conversation. And then if the worst came and I wasn't listening, um, I do have that pastoral oversight um, personally um, that you could go to and say, listen, Giles has really gone off in error here. He's, you know, I don't know, whatever, something. Um, yeah, we, we have that accountability, but we also have that leadership structure that um, I think we can make changes and decisions very quickly, mm-hmm. and we can empower people. Um, 
And we've always given people opportunities. I don't know, I've talked too much, so... From, from another point of view, I mean, would you say that what I've said is fair? Yeah, thank you. There's nothing more to add to what you've said in terms of membership. You've explained it all. Um, in terms of accountability, I think you've also said it all. There's nothing to add. Um, you know, you, I think what, one thing I would say is that God has given you as the head of, the, of Lighthouse, the, the, I believe, people around you who are able to support you um, in terms of what, what your direction and in terms of good advice based on God. And I strongly believe that. So, like you rightly said, you've got few people, you know, a good number of people around you who are supporting you, encouraging you, and also trying to tell, you know, advise you on which way to go. So, I believe you, you know, rightly, you, I, I strongly believe that. So, um, yeah. So, that's what I can say. Yeah, yeah and I, I suppose my comment would be, I'm not a yes man, and I think as part of the pastoral team, if, if I felt that it was going down, you know, the wrong path, I would certainly be vocal about it. Whether you'd accept that or not, I probably wouldn't be sitting up here if you didn't. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all accountable to each other, and, 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 and we certainly, uh, you know, don't just take everything Giles says. You know, if there's something that we feel needs to be challenged, but we'd certainly challenge it. Um, I think that's yeah. just what I wanted to add to that. We're all accountable to each other, and ultimately we're accountable to God, and mm-hmm. we've all got to stand before him one day, and that scares the life out of me. Uh, you know. Yeah, and I think it's also very... It's amazing how we can look at whoever stands up here as who's influential when we've got so many small life groups um, or small groups around the church who actually they are accountable to each other. You're accountable to each other in the church whether you feel someone's doing something wrong or doing something right or going the wrong way. That's your duty as a brother, as a sister in Christ to look out for them, to pick them up, to encourage them, direct them. Not to judge them, but to direct them. Yeah? So let's make sure it's not just... Charles's problem, it's all our problem, yeah? Um, okay. How do we ensure that whilst being an outward-facing church and taking Christ into the community, that we are aware and ensuring good levels of pastoral care inside the church? Okay. That's a big hit. That's a, a one. So I have to witness, I have to care for people. No, uh, <laughs> I feel like we're really approach people are really approachable in leadership and we all look after each other like in your family at home you all look after each other and if someone like especially like siblings I feel like that's kind of we are brothers and sisters in Christ and if your sibling falls like you pick them up don't you and you, and you say like are you okay and I don't feel it falls on just the pastoral team to do that for people like we're all here trying to get through life trying to help each other out and Yes, we, as a pastoral team, have a responsibility to care for our sheep, you know, like, and I, we do, and I feel like, and I hope that we're approachable in that if somebody is struggling, that they come to us and say, like, I'm, I need some prayer, or can you get around me, can you sort meals out for me, can you look after my kids, like, and 
I would hope that anyone here could feel like they could ask us that. Like we're not, we don't not want to help people. Yes, we look out into the community and um, ultimately we want to see people saved, but we also want to look after our own. And I feel like, like Jaws and Roz, for a little while it was just you two and the pastoral team and you were like, we want to expand this team because you can't just do it with two people. You can't, it's hard enough doing it with 10 people on the pastoral team because it's a growing church. But um, yeah, I feel like we do look after people and if anyone's got a need, like they can come and talk to us. We're anyone in the church. It doesn't just have to be someone on a pastoral team. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think um, pastoral care should be a, it's so pivotal to church and we, we we do all have a have a responsibility it talks about in galatians it says um to um carry each other's burdens and burdens like the original translation for that word it's it's things that like crush you it's the big tragedies it's the real hard times in life that you um need to get through and you know we should be there to carry each other's burdens we're not supposed to go through those times alone and community is so important for that and then further on in Galatians, um, it talks about how, yeah, so you should carry each other's burdens, but each one should um, carry their own load. And the word load, um, original translation, I know, diddly squat about agriculture, but it's like tilling. So it's like tilling, tilling the soil. It's that, that daily um, exercise. It's that daily responsibility, the little things that you're supposed to do. You, you have an accountability and a responsibility to yourself to kind of get yourself through that. Um, but yeah, I, I think with youth ministry as well, so speaking as, as a youth minister, um, the two things that um, I've, I've learned from, from doing my, my, my college course is that grace should always precede judgment. So when you're having those pastoral encounters, actually you just approach someone with love, you approach someone with grace, and through doing that and through caring, them, caring for them and building that relationship and walking alongside them, then you know, if, if, they're, if they're doing something that maybe they just need to tweak a little bit or, you, you know, whatever that pastoral encounter looks like, um, you unpack that together. So it's not about calling someone out and just saying, you're doing this wrong, you're awful, you, you should be doing this. That's, that's not how to go about it. Um, and then the other thing is listen to understand rather than, sorry, listen to understand rather than to respond. So when someone's talking to you, don't just think, oh, what should I be saying to this? I can't think of the right thing to say. Actually, just ask for more questions. Listen to understand. You need to be there. Strip back anything you think, any, any um, prejudgments that you have, and just meet that person where they're at. Yeah, I think that also follows on from what the preacher was saying last night about being devoted to each other. Yeah. You know, we've, we've all got to be devoted. And it was a massive wake-up call for me because sometimes I'm doing my own thing. But, you know, it, it's, important to, <laughs> it's important to be devoted to each other. So, if, for example, if somebody says, like, you know, I had a conversation with somebody the other day who asked, look, can you, can you pray for me about something? And, and I did. But this morning it reminded me I'm going to do that more. I need to sort of press into that because it's obviously a concern for that individual that she needs support and prayer. So we have all got to be devoted to each other. And I think if we come with a sort of a, 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 a oneness of being devoted to each other, then we'd probably find a lot of these issues um, wouldn't, wouldn't turn into sometimes ugly issues. You know, we can very easily as a church or individuals, you can feel bitter and twisted. Next thing you know, everyone's poisoned around you because we haven't really 
been open and honest in the first place. Mm. And I think it's so important that you don't let those things rise up in the church, that if you do have an issue as individuals or family, then get other brothers and sisters around you and share those burdens. And if you feel it's not working, then, then go to Pastor Giles or somebody else. But we've got to share and be devoted to each other. I just want to add to what Rosie said about being approachable. You see, when in the Bible, when Christ, when the little children were coming to Christ and the disciple wanted to chase them away, he said, no, let them come to me. That was how much, with Christ being who he was, he still allowed the children to come to him. And I believe that's what, you know, even as an outward-looking church, we are not allowing those, because that was the question, mm. we are not allowing those in the church to be suffering. And one way of doing that is being approachable, like you said. And, I, and whether you're in a pastoral team or whether you're a youth minister or what kind of, whether you're st- a lead, a, a leading the steward team, I think God has given, we, we need to keep on praying and hoping that we are approachable. Because if we are approachable, then people can come to us when there's an issue or when there's a need. And that's one thing I've always said to my staff in my workplace where I manage. I say to them, from the highest and to the least, you should be able to come to me. And they do. And that has been my, my, my motto. They, they come to me, they joke with me, and they, can, they, they, they are so free because they know, which means that if there's a problem, they don't, they, there's no fear of coming to me to tell me about it. And I, and I believe that's what we keep on praying and yearning for as leaders, whether as pastoral team, whether as youth minister, or whether as leaders in the stewards, that we need to be approachable because that's the way to make sure as we are focused on reaching out that those around us are also not suffering, going through issues, that we are able and available for them to come to us and we can share and pray with them or you know be there with be be there for them in their time of need. Cool. Have we got time? We've we got time. Yeah, so a little bit. Outward looking, outward <laughs> focusing. Um, you know, personally for me, the the most amazing times I've had with God that's really encouraged me, challenged me, enthused me about the gospel is when I'm sharing it. And I think, you know, uh, faith is always best when it's shared. And um, Jesus, when he was gathered by the crowds, and he, he said, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples were like, everyone's touching you. What's going on? He said, no, I felt the power of God going out from me. And it's kind of how the power of God works. It, we know we have it. We know Christ is in us. But until we actually goes out from us, maybe from our mouth, from something we've shared with someone or we've laid hands on the sick or, you know, we've done something, then it's like, wow, God's used me. He spoke through me. And it's, and it's when I'm giving is when I'm feeling it. So if we are very introspective in ourselves, I mean, you talk about outward-looking church. I'm talking about outward-looking people that we're not just concerned about my feelings and how I'm doing, but actually... There's a lost world that so desperately need to know Jesus. And when you begin to have that passion for people, maybe we don't teach on it enough, uh, Pastor Tom, about 
how really lost people are and how the, they're without hope, without Christ. And they need Jesus like mm. we've got Jesus. And if we had that understanding and we had that, man, we have got so much to give and so much to say. And as we begin to open our mouths, he said, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words. And I tell you, the anointing of God comes upon you and you start to speak the words of God to people and you will be so amazed what God can do by being outward looking. And I think maybe that's where we need to get to a place in us as individuals that... Man, this world is so dark and desperate, but I could be that light. I could shine so brightly, and I could see this world changed and transformed by being outward looking. And yes, I've got some issues. Yes, I've got some problems myself. But I tell you, there's nothing like allowing the power of God to come out through you to put a bit of perspective on some of the things that you're going through personally. Yeah. I don't mean to be harsh with that, but... No, I think that's spot on. Because when you are out there, you know, in the joy of the Lord, and I often share stuff like this with Lorraine, you know, when, you, when you're feeling the joy and you're going out and you're preaching the gospel, you come back in here full of that joy. And then that yeah. affects other people around you. So I, I th- Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, right? And that was after he'd sent the guys out in twos to minister, to, to heal people, to yeah. eat with them, to spend time with them, to meet their needs and... You know, when they were disciples were doing what they were supposed to be doing out there, the power of God was bam. It's contagious. And sometimes when they were like arguing about who's in charge and all of this, and Jesus is like rebuking them, saying, mm-hmm. Come on, what are you doing? Get out there, get the gospel out. Yeah, brilliant. Just looking at the clock. We've got time for one more question. Um, and so. My mind thinks it might have been Adrian who came and preached a couple of weeks ago because it's about faith songs as children. So maybe it's from him. Um, how important were children's faith songs to you as a child? Which do you remember and draw upon at this, um, to this day? And then the final question is, how could Lighthouse encourage the spiritual practice for our children within our community? Okay, so first part. How important were children's faith songs to you as a child? Man, I'm all about the faith socks in our house. The boys are like, Mummy, can you play our oh God? What is it? Our oh God is a great big God. But me and Thomas, Thomas and I used to lead junior church at our old church for a few years. And so we used to teach those songs to kids. And they do stick in you like mud sometimes. But I, I don't know, my boys love it. And I feel like that start. I mean, for us, it starts at home that I'm teaching my kids because... Um, I want them to grow up to love Jesus and I want them to tell people about Jesus and I want them to be kind and caring. And I understand that everyone has a Christian home or some homes are difficult, but we teach our kids here. Like they have great groups out there that they learn about Jesus. They learn, like my boys come out and they love it and we have enthusiastic leaders that care about our kids and that are instilling those seeds in those kids. And they'll remember stuff that they've learned here today um, when they're seven and five they'll remember that when they're 30 and 60. They'll remember it and I feel like we need to invest in our kids and we do and it's really important that we, because they're the leaders of tomorrow, aren't they? Like they're going to be in this church in 30 years when we're all past it and, well, I won't be in 30 years, but... (laughs) 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 But, do you know what I mean? And I feel like we we talk about kids work from the front 
and we talk about its importance and we oft we sometimes have offerings for their resources because it's expensive but you know like we do invest in our kids and i think that's really important and um yeah Okay. Yeah, just to add to that, um, so yeah, the house I grew up in has always been a, a house of music, and um, any any excuse to start belting a good old faith song, we were we were right there. Um, Mum only needed to go be bold, and we'd yell, "Be strong for the Lord your God is with that one." <laughs> yeah, 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 all about it. I think it's great. Um, yeah, I think it's it's so important to to encourage um, children in worship and their own individual spirituality. That's so 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 important. Um, from again a youth perspective, they're yeah they're the future of the church. Like our, our young people, our children are just so so important and so valuable, and we should be just investing into them um, with with everything we've got. Uh, when it comes to uh, worship um, in particular, and uh, songs songs were mentioned in particular with with the youth. Um, I mean, we, we went to Soul Survivor, and I don't know any of you who have been to that festival before, but they kind of have a, a set of songs, and then we sing them every day. Uh, so we really get to to know what those songs are all about, and we, we learn them. And uh, those songs, we've um, yeah, everybody really loved them. The youth really loved them. And we've been trying to um, incorporate that into the, the groups that we do when we have time of worship together. We've also got a little group chat. And I normally hate group chats because I think it's like being held hostage. But um, at this one, I actually really like, by the way, th those of you sitting and looking at me going, oh, I'm on that one. Um, yeah, and we, 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 post, we post songs to each other and uh, lyrics and daily encouragements just to get into that, that practice and, and that discipline of, of doing it uh, daily and throughout the week. Great. I also just want to add in, like, I know our kids are in church for, like, 25 minutes or so. And I know it's hard, like, as a mum, man, it's hard to get them to sit still. But it's teaching them what church is about. Like, I want them to hear the worship. I want them to know that this is church. And I feel like that's an important... We're instilling something important in them. Even if they don't sit still and don't listen, it's still going in somehow. Yeah, super. We've actually run out of time, so we can't finish that question off. Can we give these guys a round of applause and thank them? I really hope that's, that's given you a bit of an insight into some of the questions. If your question wasn't answered, uh, please be assured we will, um, we will answer them all, probably not today, but over the coming weeks, and we'll put a podcast on so you can get that or a written uh, reply to these questions. Um, so thank you very much. If this conversation, debate question and answer thing has brought up any more questions in your head, please don't hesitate to come and ask. Come and talk to them. They are approachable. They've t said from the front they want to be. They are. So um, make use of that. And uh, yeah, be blessed as a church as we, as we do church together as individuals and as a congregation. Yeah? Um, please don't forget to collect your children. There is tea and coffee on the other side of the building. And thank you so much for coming this morning. Have a very blessed week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>